People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I kind of forget how to do a general pop culture podcast. I feel like we've only done TV recaps for the last few weeks. I've been loving our TV recaps, though. To have a White Lotus finale, My Unorthodox Life, and a Lisa Hochstein, Larsa Pippen interview in one week was a really welcome change of pace for me. I have to tell you, it was really difficult for me on that first Sunday night without White Lotus. It's very similar to the post-euphoria feeling. Euphoria, I think, was a little bit more for me, actually. Probably partially because when it ended, we knew for a fact it wasn't coming back until 2024, which is two and a half years at the time. Realistically, two and a half years kind of does go by fast, but it feels like a long time when you just hear that. I can't accept the fact that two and a half years goes by fast. It does, though. Like, look at the last few years. No, I, I know you're 100% correct. I just, I, I can't get on board with that right now. But back to Euphoria for a second. I also think it's not just the amount of time in between end date and premiere date. I also think that with Euphoria, the night of discussion and the day after discussion was so much more, I don't know, like fulfilling because we were so much more emotionally invested in the characters and in the story. Right. Whereas like with White Lotus, with the exception of the last episode, one, it's not like every second is anxiety provoking. And second of all, yeah, you love the show, but you also kind of hate all of the characters. Right. And then also with Euphoria, it wasn't this constant thing where you had to like defend the fact that something was happening, because obviously there's a group of people that watches White Lotus and feels like, well, not that much happened. Euphoria, we were all on the same page. Every single episode was just so anxiety producing, so jam packed and like just so intense. That tweet we posted last week that was like, you know, I'll just be going about my day. And then I suddenly remember that Rue owes that lady all that money. (laughs) That hit me deep. I think I think about that every day. And the now that you mentioned the length in between when the premiere date is coming, the fact that we'll have to wait two years of just constantly thinking about that fact before we get any sort of answer is like kind of torturous, if you ask me. Uh, it's very torturous. That's why you just got to do your best to forget about it. Em, I'll try. Before we say what we're about to say, I just want to give a trigger warning for suicide. But as I'm sure you are all aware by now, the very unfortunate news that Stephen Boss, most commonly known as Twitch, 
passed away last week as a result of suicide, which is just so fucking sad. It was on Tuesday. His wife, Allison, ran into an LAPD station saying that he left home without his car. She could feel something was off. It was really unlike him. She was so frazzled to the point that they were going to list him as a critical missing person. And then a short time later, around 11.15 a.m., paramedics got a call for a medical emergency at an L.A. hotel, and they found Stephen there dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was pronounced dead at the scene. I'm honestly struggling with how to talk about this one. It's just so devastating. I mean, so his wife, Allison, they had met during season seven of So You Think You Can Dance in 2010. They were married three years later. They had just celebrated their ninth wedding anniversary just a few days before his death. And I mean, whether you initially knew him from the Ellen show or kind of where your knowledge of him or draw to him came from, I think all of us had seen his dancing videos with Allison constantly and just the joy that they would bring to so many people and the love, the warmth, the romance, the excitement, all of the things that they brought to the world. And I just, when I heard this, my heart sank as I'm sure it did for all of you. And my heart is just with his whole family and anyone who is so close to him. This is so upsetting. Yeah. I mean, this is so incredibly heartbreaking. And I mean, like you, I, I, I really don't know how to talk about this one. I think it's a very, very difficult thing to really process and understand. But thinking about his kids and his wife, it's just this, this was a really, really difficult one. Yeah. I I think it's a very devastating and terrifying realization when you think about the amount of pain someone must have been in. And especially when it's someone who communicated only the opposite of that to the world, because it makes you think about how isolated he may have felt And the most constant and important lesson in life, which is like, we really never know what anyone is going through, what is going on in their mind. It's very cliche, but it's true. It's like, that's why the the kindness that you give to every individual you interact with is so important, even more important than you could ever know. And I just, I'm so sorry to anyone that loved him. And I'm, I'm so sorry for him. And I just, you know, we're, we're sending our love and our thoughts and, respecting the privacy of his family because what a terrible situation. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. 
So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. The experience of being physically together when the first photos of Rihanna and ASAP's baby dropped is something I'm very grateful for because we were able to just really feed off of each other's enthusiasm. And for me personally, to be able to witness the adrenaline like running through your body as you're going to Rihanna's TikTok to then see the video she posted of him, which was her first TikTok, it, it was just a moment. We've had a lot of big celebrity moments happen when we're together. And each one is like beyond exciting for the sheer fact that we get to experience it together. But there was something about this one that hit a little different. The other thing is we were in D.C. when that happened, exploring the city, which we've never really explored. We're on FaceTime with my dad, showing him how beautiful the Lincoln Memorial looked. And all of a sudden that dropped. It was just it felt fittingly historic for the occasion. (laughs) Fittingly historic is exactly how I would describe it. Your dad was so confused, just on FaceTime with us exploring the sites of DC and we're freaking out about Rihanna's baby pictures dropping. But like you specifically, like I was too, but it was really you. You're like, holy shit. I just didn't think we were ever going to get them. Actually, that's not true. Let me just say, I didn't think we were going to ever, or at least for a very long time, get pictures from Rihanna or ASAP. As terrible as it is, I kind of figured that there would be some scenario in which like a very invasive paparazzi shot was released. Like we've seen with Joe and Sophie, we've seen with Gigi, which is just a very unfortunate circumstance. And actually, as it turns out, is kind of the origin of the story. But I just didn't expect to get like a series of photos released by Rihanna. And I definitely didn't expect to get a TikTok of the baby released by her. Yes, I actually do want to get into the backstory of that for a second because they gave the exclusive to Hollywood Unlocked. And Jason Lee, who's the CEO of Hollywood Unlocked, posted and said, Since the new photos of ASAP and Rihanna's baby is out, let me tell you how this happened. Yesterday, she FaceTimed me to tell me that paparazzi took unauthorized photos of their baby and planned to release them. So she said if anyone was going to put it out, she wanted me to. She wanted black media to be the one to do it since she wasn't going to be given the choice. First, I'm honored they would trust me and kind of sad it had to be that way. I wish they were given the choice. Kids are off limits here at Hollywood Unlocked. I guess some folks don't care. So that's kind of how it initially unraveled. And then a few days later, TMZ posted pictures of Rihanna ASAP and the baby from a photo shoot they had in Malibu. So basically what happened is Rihanna and ASAP were doing this photo shoot with the baby. That's how they were going to post the first photo of him to the world. Paparazzi saw them doing it. And that's when she went to Jason Lee to basically say, I know this is going to come out. I want it to come from you. Let's not forget. I mean, when 
they had first announced their pregnancy, they had their own photo shoot in the city with, I believe, Diggsy as the photographer, and they kind of wanted to get that out first. So it makes a lot of sense that this is how it went down. And it's unfortunate that, you know, they couldn't release it in the way that they wanted to, but at least she was able to have a certain amount of, of autonomy in terms of actually controlling the very first source. It's so unfortunate the way that she was, you know, backed into or forced into doing this because I'm sure she would have waited longer and waited until she was ready to do this, until her and ASAP were both ready. I I cannot understand why paparazzi pics, unauthorized of children, are still allowed. It does not make any sense to me, especially when it's a situation where it's a picture of a child that has not yet been released, where you are getting the exclusive invasively and showing the child to the world that the parents do not wish for their face to be out there. It is such a security issue. No, I know. I I really do think that in the next few years, we will see some sort of law being made to protect this specific situation because it's entirely unfair and, and really unsafe. Yeah. I mean, you get into really dangerous territory when if the parent is not wishing that and is not like choosing to do that themselves, where let's say the child was alone with the nanny and the parents weren't there and the child is then recognizable by its own accord. Like that is not a safe situation to be put in. I'm honestly kind of shocked, not even that there isn't a law yet, but more so that it hasn't become industry standard. Meaning when Jason Lee says here, you know, at Hollywood Unlocked, kids are off limits. That's not the case for every photo agency, for every media company. I remember last year when we did that comment from Blake Lively where she was basically shaming the paparazzi for posting photos of her children. And it goes to show you it is completely up to what that individual paparazzi, photo agency, or media company deems as ethically and morally sound. It's not like there's this blanket agreement, even if it's not formal, that everyone abides by. It's really not the case. And that is surprising to me. Like, I understand legislation may take a while, but you would think that there would have been enough pushback for that to be the general rule. But I guess there are just so many clicks that they prioritize that over, you know, the, the safety and the well-being and the wishes of the parent. Um, I'm surprised by TMZ and I'm surprised that they haven't gotten enough backlash to not make that standard practice. I agree with you. There are plenty, specifically paparazzi and then I guess agencies that I'm not surprised don't have that. They should, 100%, no question, but I'm not surprised. To clarify, it's not that I'm surprised because I would view them to be more morally sound. I'm more so saying because of the pushback, but I guess maybe it hasn't been strong enough, or or maybe it's been so significantly less than the amount of clicks. Right. Yeah. It's fucked up. It's, it's fucked up. I'll tell you though, if I'm going to speak my most transparent, if I got a TMZ notification for the photo of Rihanna and ASAP's baby before it was announced, 100,000% I would never, ever post it, but I would click on the link and view it. And I know that's oh, wrong, but yeah. I would. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. I think there's like a we're only human aspect to that or if it's you know already out there it's just a matter of it not being put out there in the first place yeah exactly so the weather is finally getting a little warmer and one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. It feels like we have waited our entire lives for me to say this next sentence, which is, let's talk about Mason to six bar mitzvah. If you could see the way I'm smiling right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well... You guys, there is so much to get into here. And I know if you may be asking us, what bar mitzvah? I thought it was just his 13th birthday party. I understand the confusion and we cannot confirm whether or not there was a Torah portion that took place, whether there was a temple service, obviously wasn't there. I have not seen any photos of it. It could have happened, was not something that we witnessed at all. But there was at least a 13th birthday party that is being called a bar mitzvah that took place at the Off Sunset Lounge in West Hollywood seemed to be kind of a Chrome Hearts theme or logo. The entire family was there. Courtney and Scott arrived separately, but seemingly were very cordial, laughing, hanging out a lot of the night. I didn't see Travis Barker or his family there, although they could have been there. And, you know, Kim and Chloe were in crosses. Chris was in an all-black outfit. They made a pit stop right after at Kathy Hilton's Christmas party and Kylie at Stoss's Sunny Vodka holiday party. So it kind of seemed just like another night, but... It did happen. I know how proud Scott must have been. I really, I feel it so deeply. I have to imagine Scott was happier than Mason. Oh, for sure. 
I mean, the way that I felt about it is for the last two weeks, we have had hands down the most minimal amount of Kardashian information that we've ever had in probably the history of the podcast. We didn't mention anything about them once last week. It was all TV episodes and Bravo. And the week previously in our regular episode, it was so minor. I don't even remember what the topics were, but there just wasn't that much going on in the world of Kardashian news. So to then come back with Mason's Bar Mitzvah kind of felt like a big deal. It did feel like a big deal. Like, I I don't know. I was just so excited that this happened. I have to be honest in saying this was not the way that I envisioned it in my head to be, though. Not in the slightest, but as I'm thinking about it, joke's on us. Like, what did we expect? We were going to get full photos of him at the Bima with the cantor and the rabbi? That was never going to happen. I guess in my mind, I just wasn't expecting this, like, West Hollywood lounge where everyone was in leather pants. But I, I think that that was me being naive, not them being off brand. No, it's perfectly on brand. And that's what we should have predicted happening. But in my head, it was like keeping up with the steins on steroids. Like I thought we were going to have a situation where it was going to take place at like the Beverly Hills Hotel or some sort of like giant event space. And it was almost going to be like more adult focused than kid focused. Like Mason would be allowed to have his dais and his group of friends. But like in my mind, it was going to be like the most star studded event. All of, you know, Kim and Courtney and Scott's friends, like Dave Grutman was going to ha- cut the holla. <laughs> Kim, Courtney and Chloe were going to come up for Aaliyah together. Like I had a whole thing in my head. And this is just like a really glorified 13th birthday party, which of course makes sense and is so perfectly on brand. I was thinking a little bit more like Adam Sandler's daughter's bat mitzvah. Right. Like we didn't expect that Kathy Hilton would be hosting her holiday party the same night because in what world would Kathy Hilton and the entire Hilton family not be president at Mason's bar mitzvah? Meanwhile, like Mason's bar mitzvah was a pit stop on their way to Kathy Hilton's. I had already like in my head written everyone's candlelighting ceremony poem. Yeah, it was so not what I had envisioned, although exactly what I should have expected. It's like this was Mason's 13th birthday party, which in the Jewish religion makes him a man. I don't know if the bar mitzvah was just kind of a formality being thrown in there, but yes, a lot of chrome hearts. (laughs) I know it meant a lot to Scott for it to be labeled as a bar mitzvah. And again, we don't know if there was some sort of like earlier in the day temple portion. I don't think that there was. Like if I had to guess, I don't think there was. But um, yeah, this was Mason's bar mitzvah. And you know what? It has nothing to do with whether or not there was a service in the morning. I just had it so stereotyped in my head of like, if I had an unlimited budget for my bat mitzvah and I was the child of a celebrity, what I would want that to look like. And I obviously projected that right onto Mason. Right, which I guess in our defense, it's not as though the Kardashians don't have these parties that stylistically look very similar to an over-the-top lavish bar bar mitzvah, of course, not including the, the ceremony and the temple part. But other than that, I would say that some of their events in the past could be a glorified bar bar mitzvah just aesthetically. So maybe I maybe we weren't as naive as I just previously said. I don't think that it was about like the lavishness of the party or the theme or anything like that that in terms of what happened, (laughs) what happened in terms of how Mason's bar mitzvah actually like (laughs) appeared to us to be. I just, my view of bar and bar mitzvahs, as I'm sure yours is, as I'm sure so many people who have either had theirs or experienced it, there's just like a very specific um, and stereotypical protocol when it comes to a bar and bar mitzvah celebration, especially as we know it. And so it just in my head, I was like, no way Mason's wouldn't follow that exact same pattern. 
Well, it was so funny because a lot of the quote insight we were getting is all of a sudden we're scrolling on TikTok and there would be these videos of like day in the life featuring Mason's bar mitzvah from accounts we don't follow, we've never seen before. And I guess they were kids in Mason's class, you know, other Calabasas kids that were then just posting content from the bar mitzvah. And that's how we were getting our insight. It was, yeah. (laughs) Basically, Mason had a 13th birthday and I'm happy birthday, Mason. Basically, there was no candlelighting ceremony. But like there could have been because what the fuck do we know? Imagine tomorrow Scott posts on his Instagram story, Mason reciting his Haftorah. Then who looks like the (laughs) asshole? We do. Imagine Scott posts a video and it's Mason standing up there going, spending time in Calabasas with you is so much fun. Will Lovey please come up and light candle number one? (laughs) No. You think Aunt Kiki's not being rhymed with candle number three? Get the (laughs) fuck out of here. Honestly, the way it is looking between Courtney and Kim, I don't even know if Kim's getting a candle. Can we talk about that for a second? Like I'm dying to. It's all I want to talk about. I mean, you guys probably saw the, and if not, it's a must watch. Not because we got any new information, solely because it's really fun to watch Courtney and Chloe's dynamic in this way because we really haven't seen them together that much. But basically, two things. First is that Courtney and Chloe did Vanity Fair's viral lie detector series where they interview each other, both hooked up to a lie detector and ask each other questions. We'll get into that in one second. But this was all coming after this Dumois submission that has gone viral. It basically said, you know, these two famous sisters are no longer on speaking terms. Who knows if that's even real, but the internet basically ran with it thinking that it was Courtney and Kim, which I definitely don't think they're not on speaking terms, Dumas submission aside, I do believe that there is some serious tension between Courtney and Kim. And then in Chloe and Courtney's video, even though they didn't specifically mention that, you could tell that that was kind of underlying. And so to me, those things happening at the same time was very interesting. Well, there was one question that Chloe asked Courtney, which is like, do you hate any of your sisters? And Courtney says no. And the lie detector test says that she's telling the truth. And then after they have this moment where Courtney's like, oh, thank God, I had no idea how that was going to come out. And that was like, so there's it could only have been about Kim. Yeah. And I, do I think Courtney hates Kim? No. But I really do believe that there is some – I don't even know if I want to use the word tension. I just think they are so much less close than they used to be. And it's that combined with the fact that Kim and Chloe are so much closer than they ever were before, which – Can we just go down because we have a bulleted list of some of the biggest takeaways from this? Again, nothing groundbreaking. We knew all of it, but it was more so fun to see the way in which they answered the questions. Yes. Okay. So some of the takeaways in no particular order. First, Courtney asking Chloe if she's sleeping with Tristan, to which she says no. Lie detector says she's telling the truth. And then she's like, oh, thank God I would have flipped if it said I wasn't. Which again, we knew they weren't, but love to hear it. I just love any time Chloe's kind of forced to talk about it. Not even forced to talk about it, almost playfully talk about it, actually, because I prefer her being able to talk about it in a setting like this rather than like reliving trauma on the show. Totally, totally. Also, Courtney asking Chloe what she thought about her wedding dress, which she said it was fine. You know, she liked it, but she wished that it was her after party dress and maybe she could have worn something more traditional to the ceremony, which is more so interesting that Courtney knew to ask her that question. Um, you know, it's funny. I think that with Courtney and Chloe, this whole thing works because it's almost like Chloe can kind of say whatever to Courtney or Courtney knows exactly how Chloe's thinking. And it's like a baseline. It, you know, it's fine. 
I think the reason that Courtney and Kim's relationship is the way it is is because they also have a very similar dynamic, except when they inevitably say things, they both cross the line. And it's both anytime lacking that understanding of like, you know what, it's okay. And so that is the real difference in the relationship between Courtney and Kim and Courtney and Chloe. Because I still think that Courtney and Chloe will always have that baseline closeness. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, even one of the questions that Courtney asked Chloe is, so you and Kim went to our place together earlier this year in Miami and you didn't invite me. Would it have been more fun if I were there? And Chloe says yes. And again, it's a it's a playful conversation, but all of these rather playful notes were definitely rooted with some truth, which is that I genuinely believe Kim and Courtney at this moment, of course, they love each other. Of course, they're always sisters. They have a bond. I don't think they really like each other right now. They, of course, love each other. And they always, I mean, listen, I guess we're like really hypothesizing here. But I think that based on what we've seen from the show and what we've seen recently is just like, obviously, they love each other. Obviously, they're there for each other and very supportive of each other. I kind of just feel like for both of them at this point in time, they're not necessarily choosing to just hang out in the way that they used to. Well, another question, which isn't directly related, but what you just said made me think of it is when Courtney asked Chloe, will you ever let True sleep in my house? To which Chloe says, probably not. And they have a, a joking moment about it. But I think, one, I'm sure Chloe is very, very scarce about who she allows True to have sleepovers with, probably barely no one. Although I do think she is probably allowed to sleep at Kim's house. That was a really interesting moment. I, I have not stopped talking about that. I'm not going to hypothesize as to what I think the reason is, half because I'm not sure and half because I think any hypothesis about that would probably be overstepping, but I was very intrigued by that answer. I think they thought it was kind of a playful moment between the two of them, and I think everybody else was like, okay, that was a little, there's more to that. Also, just to clarify, like I, I'm not saying that there's a deeper thing to that in terms of like true safety or anything, like nothing like that, of course. I just think that there's a... um maybe parenting wise between Chloe and Courtney is, is, could be what it is, but I don't think it's anything that would be like a cause for concern just to make that abundantly clear. Right. Of course. I mean, in general, when Chloe and Kim started getting closer, one of the reasons that they cited is because they have far more similar parenting styles than either of them due to Courtney. And I think in general, from what we've seen and from what Courtney has said, she's a little bit more lax, which there is absolutely nothing wrong with. I just don't believe that it aligns with the way that Chloe, you know, wants to parent true. So yeah, I agree with you. It's like not something we need to talk about. I, I agree. It feels intrusive, but like noted. That's all I'll say. Noted. Right. Also, when Chloe's asking Courtney about how when her and Travis were in Tennessee earlier this year, they talked about moving there. And is that something they would do? And she's like, we don't have any plans to move to Tennessee, but I would move, which is interesting because one, who knows if that would actually ever happen, specifically because I think the kids feel so rooted in Calabasas. But I do think if it were to be any of them, with the exception of maybe Kendall, it would be Courtney. Oh, Kendall and Courtney have both been on the same kick. Either do it or don't do it. I know. Do you think she would move? That feels so I couldn't I could only imagine if it's like years down the line when the kids are totally out of the house. Uh, uh, Courtney won't do it at least right now because of the kids 100 percent. I feel like with both Kendall and Courtney, they would have their moments where they go away. And for the first couple of weeks, they're like, oh, my God, we love it here. There's so much fresh air and no one cares about us. No one pays attention to us. And then a couple of months in, I have a, a very strong suspicion that they'd get to the point where they're like, 
okay, we, we miss, we miss our lives. We miss Calabasas. We miss LA. We miss like (laughs) the hustle and bustle of, of the celebrity side of our lives. I think that anytime you go somewhere for a week or two weeks on a shorter vacation, you always envision yourself living in a place. And I think that Courtney thinks that she, and I think Kendall both think that they hate the idea of the life they live more than they actually do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just can't envision fully moving away from the family, but I think maybe at this point in Courtney's life, there's something about that that feels appealing. It's not even really so much so being away from LA as much as it is maybe that separation from the family, even if it's temporary. It's just a hypothesis. I don't know. Another one I want to mention is when Courtney brings up the infamous fight where Kim hits Chloe with the bag and is like, don't be fucking rude back in what season one of Kardashians. And you know, she, she asks, is there anything about that that you regret? And Chloe says, no, because that was a major moment in pop culture fucking love when they acknowledge that. Oh my God, me too. Especially when they acknowledge not only their past things, but the way that they've cemented themselves. Because I do think that that must be a crazy feeling to have something where you're like, wow, this is so cemented forever in like the grand scheme of pop culture. And of course, like they themselves are, but these moments in their lives that they never really thought anything of at the time that are still being spoken about years and years later and discussed years and years later and made into memes and tweets. Like, I think that's got to be something that's still a little crazy. Yeah. And I think to know that you're a part of that, and I should say to be so consciously aware that you're a part of that is something that not many people have ever experienced and ever will experience. Another one I want to mention is when Chloe says that she thinks Courtney changed her style, but that she thinks it's a phase and that she'll go back to where her heart is. Fucking loved that one, especially because the way that it was asked is, did you think that my style changed when I started dating Travis? And before Chloe even answers, Courtney's like, oh, I hate that term dating. And you see Chloe's response to that of like, all right, let's get on with it. Like there were so many moments where Chloe was almost hyper aware of how much of a parody of herself Courtney is. I think this idea of Courtney being a parody of herself is both like Courtney's most endearing quality and Courtney's sometimes least endearing quality. Like, On any given day, any group of people, both in her lives and not, will either absolutely love her for that or absolutely hate her for that. And I think we see very little in between. I agree. And I think ultimately the reason that it ends up working for her is because she truly, deeply, authentically does not give a fuck in a way that most people say but don't actually mean. Which again, take it or leave it, like her or hate her. It's something you've got to acknowledge about her. Another one I want to mention is when Chloe asks Courtney, you know, you and Travis tried to get married in Vegas. It obviously didn't end up happening, but do you regret not inviting anyone to that? To which she says no. But that was interesting because, you know, we had discussed that at length when it happened of like, do you think they would have actually gone through with it? And so to hear one, they would have, but second of all, that I guess the rest of the family was taken by that is interesting. I think that had that been Courtney's only wedding, the answer to that question of do you regret it would have maybe been different. I think that Courtney always had it in her head or always had a plan that no matter what her and Travis would be doing something that involved the whole family. And so for them to have this moment, whether it was spur of the moment, whether it was planned, whether they were drunk, like whatever happened in that moment, I think the knowledge of there was always going to be something else led them, allowed them to do that without any sort of regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. The other one is when Courtney asked Chloe, is there a group chat that exists without me? And she says, actually, no, or like surprisingly, no. But again, just the fact that she's asking that question to me 
it's not even Kim specific. To me, that was an acknowledgement that Courtney is hyper aware of like, she admittedly has been in this bubble with Travis and a lot of that has caused a slight bit of separation, not necessarily in a negative way, but even just inquiring about that is interesting because like, that's not a question that Chloe would have asked. That's not a question that Kim would have asked, even if a group chat did exist without them. I don't think that would have been top of mind for them. Whereas Courtney, I think she both doesn't care, but also knows that it's a legitimate possibility. What would you have done for the answer to that question to have been yes and to have to watch Courtney's reaction to finding that out on air? Both anything and nothing, meaning like, yes, I would have fucking loved that. But also, I don't really get enjoyment when there's such apparent exclusion. Like, it feels kind of messy to me in a way that is no longer fun. But just to watch them have to navigate that conversation would have been fascinating. That would have been like an amazing keeping up plot. Not necessarily the Kardashians plot, although I could see that too. But it would have been amazing to have a keeping up with the Kardashians OG episode centered around Courtney finding out that they had a family group chat without her. <laughs> I can see it now. I can just see it now, her storming into like Chris's office. I'm trying to think of how I'm envisioning it going down. I don't think she storms into Chris's office. I think she storms into Kim and Glam. Mm, you think she goes to Kim, not Chloe? Yes. Um, I think that she, yeah, uh, it's not about who she goes to first. I think that if she takes her anger out on Kim, she takes her upset out on Chloe. Yeah, that makes sense. Although at least historically, and if we're talking back and keeping up days, there was no one she probably took her anger out on more in the early days than Chris, I feel like. Yeah. And, but, oh my God, talk about dynamics that have changed in terms of just the way they treat Chris. I can also envision exactly what Kylie and Kendall would be like in that moment where it's like, she doesn't even talk to Kendall about it. Kendall just, it cuts to a, to a confessional where Kendall's like, and I didn't even really know about the group chat. I was in it. I wasn't really paying attention. I was in Milan that week. And I, I don't know. It was just like, it, I, I wasn't really looking at my phone and cuts to Kylie sitting with Courtney being like, so like, you know, I would never do that to you. I was just kind of put in it. Like the two of them really staying out of it, but Kylie a little bit more messy than Kendall is. Oh, wait, I fully don't envision that. I agree with your first analysis of Kendall. I think that it would then cut to a confessional of Kylie and Chloe like drinking martinis and being like, yeah, it's fucking lit. <laughs> oh, see, okay. <laughs> see, I don't know if that's how I envisioned it because in my mind, this was like a very serious fight and I don't, I didn't think that, no, it would have cut to Chloe and Kim you know, kind of joking about it. Kim would have had zero sympathy. Chloe would have felt bad. I think Kylie would have gotten involved just for a little bit of drama. I think Kylie gets bored sometimes. But also, couldn't you imagine, take all of them out of it? Couldn't you imagine Chris in her confessional drinking a martini and being like, I mean, Courtney's just not really on her phone. Like, I feel no. like out of anyone, Chris would be the one with the least sympathy. Chris would be hysterically crying, hysterically crying. I don't know what happened. I hate when they fight. I just want everybody to get along. I, no, there is no scenario in which Chris takes enjoyment out of this. She is, Chris is the one that overreacts to the point where Courtney actually ends up comforting her saying that like, it's really okay. Like I'm actually not on my phone that much and I don't care was more the principle of it. Wait, I like so disagree. I mean, I, I think probably technically you're right like, especially if we're talking about OG days. <laughs> but I guess I'm thinking current day of like, Chris is so consciously aware of how ridiculous Courtney can be at times that I feel I'm envisioning the exact 
video where she's making martinis in her kitchen with Kylie, like fully decked out in all of those emeralds or whatever she was wearing with, you know, a Python Birkin on the side of the table and basically laughing and saying, yeah, I mean, Courtney's kind of in her own world with Travis and we had shit to discuss. Like that's how I envision it. But I guess you're right. If we're talking back in the day, yes, it would be emotional. It would be a whole thing. I don't see that being the case now. No, it entirely depends on how Courtney reacts. If Courtney was a little bit angry, maybe Chris could be like that. If Courtney was even the littlest bit upset and it caused a bigger fight, Chris would be inconsolable. Yeah. I just even like, today. I, yeah. I just can't imagine a world in which Courtney is sad about that. Or if she was, that that's not what she would portray. I think she would act pissed. Right. Yeah. Well, what a long-ass tangent for something that has never and probably will never happen. For the record, I could have gone longer. I could have gone longer. I was going to say I could call a day. <laughs> <laughs> I could have kept going with, with Mason's bar mitzvah poem. <laughs> I know. Oh, God, Julie, we're so fucked up. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Is there anything else you want to mention? I just want to quickly ask you one question inspired by the Vulture article that came out today to wrap things up, which mm -hmm. is, who would you say is your favorite Nepo baby? Mm, like of all time? Yeah, it can be of all time super bold to put me on the spot like that. I did not have a prepared answer. The immediate first one that came to my head is Zoe Kravitz. But I also think Zoe Kravitz is supremely talented where there is an answer I could give that's more so like, who's your favorite that really doesn't have much talent but has become an icon simply for 
the position of being that person's child. Oh, well, that's a whole other conversation because then that breaks off into two answers. When I answer who's my favorite Nepo baby, it's always like, who is just my favorite? Like they can be talented. They cannot be. It's just who's my favorite. I thought you were going to say Kate Hudson. Oh, of yeah. I mean, you guys know. I am literally like the straightest person I know. Like I, I almost wish I wasn't as as straight as I am. But there is something about Kate Hudson that she brings something out of me that like on Cara Delevingne's best day she couldn't. No, I mean I so get it. I I I told you recently after seeing Glass Onions, not that I ever didn't feel it before, but I had a full almost new appreciation for her. Yeah. Oh, and especially even in uh even in this article at the, at that one point when they're talking about how there are some nepo babies that really have inherited that it factor and they cite both Zoe Kravitz and Kate Hudson as saying like she walks in the room and she just does have that Goldie Hawn sparkle. Yeah, I mean listen, the 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 discussion of nepo babies is always so fun because it really spans the spectrum. Like you can be talking about a Kate Hudson and Zoe Kravitz for example, or you can be talking about a Brooklyn Beckham which I think that if you were to ask me what one of my favorite pop culture moments of the year was, it's when the person on TikTok who asked people who drive nice cars what they do for a living had Brooklyn Beckham as one of the people, not purposely, and asked Brooklyn Beckham what he does for a living. And Brooklyn's answer was that he was a chef. To me, that was like the personification of Nepo Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's also when like the bit has gone so far that it's fully believed by the person, you know? Well, that's, yeah, that's the whole thing too. It's so funny to me that no one can answer that question correctly. Like to me, there is such a standard answer that could be given if you're a Nepo baby, but their pride is so there that they just can't get out of their own way, which is just to say like, I think that I am very talented. I think that everything that I've been cast in or everything that I've done is, is something that I've worked really hard for. At the same time, I fully acknowledge that I had help getting my foot in the door. I don't understand why it is so difficult. Everybody just digs their hole so deep when they refuse to say that. Well, I think that some people genuinely believe that it has at times been a roadblock in their career, which I'm not discounting. I think maybe it has. But if you really were to weigh it out, the benefit, I would say, always outweighs the potential disadvantages. Because I'll put it like this, in order to have the opportunity to not be taken seriously, you have to be in front of the right people in the first place. And most people don't even get in front of the right people. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I mean, literal last thing I will say, I know you have not been following this and I'm sorry for anyone who does not care. Just give me 30 seconds. There is this famous TikTok couple, Avery Cyrus and her girlfriend, Soph. They were dating for a while. They broke up and like immediately after, Avery Cyrus started dating Jojo Siwa. And they're posting together constantly. And then I guess very abruptly, they broke up. And now Avery and her ex, Soph, they had this like pre-planned, pre-paid for trip to Europe that they now have to go on. Anyway, there's a video that I think JoJo's mom posted of her being like, what's wrong? And JoJo's like, I was played for clout and made to feel that I I was, you know, that she was in love with me. And so now there's like this crazy love triangle going on on TikTok that I fucking can't get enough of. And I can't believe you've not been following it. I feel like it's something you would eat up. I think I saw today the, um, the Europe trip. Yeah. I'll send you some videos. I mean, I'm sure most people don't care, but if anyone does care, like it's drama. I would obviously love to be fully caught up on the drama. I live for this. Yeah, no, I fucking live for it too. 
Okay, well, we love you guys. We'll be back later this week for Bravo, our bonus show, which I don't think we know exactly what it will be yet. Potentially an old episode of Kardashians, potentially something else. And then I think everyone knows this, but just to note, we are off the week in between Christmas and New Year's. So we're off all of next week. And then we'll, of course, be back right after New Year's Day. And and we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. We'll say, of course, something more emotional on the last episode of this week, but really just thank you. I can't believe it's another year. Thank you.